Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Having a baby is definitely life-changing, but there are some things that I really do want to try and keep the same. Um, Staying active and even managing to get away as a family, that's what I'm really hoping for. I know that all of our lives are different. Bugaboo has a pushchair for everyone, whether you're based in the city, the country, or have a growing family, they've got you covered. The comfort of my baby is one of the most important things to me, so having a pushchair and a car seat that I can really rely on to keep both me and my baby safe is critical to feeling like I've got parenting sort of sussed. Find out more by visiting bugaboo.com. Hello and thank you so much for tuning in to Food for Thought a podcast on a mission to equip you with all the evidence-based advice that you need to live and breathe a healthy lifestyle. I'm Rhiannon Lambert, registered nutritionist, best-selling author of Renourish, A Simple Way to Eat Well, and founder of Retrition, London's leading private nutrition clinic. In each episode, I'll be joined by special guests, all of whom can be considered authoritative voices in health so that together we can learn fact from fiction and empower the healthiest and happiest versions of ourselves with trusted expert advice. Going vegan, veggie or simply eating more veg can all be healthy lifestyle choices. But if doing so gives you anxiety about hanging out with friends or makes you fear certain foods, it can actually be quite dangerous. Because yes, being too healthy can actually be unhealthy. For some, restrictive eating is a short-lived stage that ricochets into a junk food rebellion. For others, they find their way back to the middle of the road. But for so many, this so-called healthy way of eating can become a true obsession and, at its most extreme, an eating disorder known as orthorexia. This week's Food for Thought explores when healthy becomes unhealthy with Dr. Nikki Stamp, surgeon, TV presenter and author of Pretty Unhealthy. Hello, Nikki. Hi, thank you for having me. It's really nice to be here. Very exciting. I am beyond excited. I think since (laughs) (laughs) receiving your book, getting to read it and being completely inspired, and obviously I've followed you on Instagram for Mm -hmm. quite a while and just Mm -hmm. seeing what you've been getting up to, It's a pleasure to have you in the UK, so thank you. Oh, no, thank you. I think we'll start with whether someone, we'll, we'll go right in, whether someone's been diagnosed with an eating disorder or a slightly lesser degree or so of preoccupation of being unhealthy, when is that unhealthy, the occupation with being too healthy? Yeah, I think that's a really good question because I think you've kind of alluded to it there in 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 that question that you you're, you're walking a fine line. It's it's a, a it's very easy to step from one thing to something that is is not so great for you. So you know it's reasonable to be conscious and and you know observant about what you eat and making sure that you're exercising and not smoking and drinking and all those kinds of things. That's important. But then when you get really caught up in it to a point Point where it is impacting your um, mental health, your physical health, your social well-being. We mm. I think we forget about that a lot. Uh, that's when I think we start to get into territory where you are you looking at something that's possibly not that good for you. 
You're completely right. There's so many factors involved. And I think for anyone to just identify and acknowledge in themselves, I'm not quite happy right now, Mm -hmm. is quite a big step. Because often people in this country, we still have a thing as well at the moment where weight is often seen as such a defining factor Mm. for health. Mm -hmm. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Uh, Yeah, I think weight is is not going anywhere as as something that people uh, reach for, particularly... uh, in an instant to to make a judgment about their own health or somebody else's health but it's really just not that simple it's not you can't deny that in some situations in some circumstances and for some people yes your weight is a factor and that can be at either end as well yes um but i think that to look at someone and say or look at yourself and say i'm unhealthy because of a figure on the scale um that's not right it it doesn't really have have the support that we think it does yeah i think so we use um bmi and it's it's so tricky because i get a lot of clients coming in clinics saying oh the doctor's told me i'm just above the bmi but i don't actually have any health problems yeah so i mean bmi i i think is rightly uh criticized and and analyzed and i think that if you're applying it to an individual it's a tool that's has very little use if you're applying it to screen someone so looking for a problem if you're applying it to perhaps population level or re as a research tool that has validity but but you know, I think one of the things that people don't always understand about science and research and medicine and so on and so forth is that, you know, our, our tools are always imperfect. And one of the things that makes them imperfect is the way that we use them. So if we use BMI willy-nilly, then, yeah, it's not it wasn't designed for that. Um, if we use it to look at an individual in front of us and decide if they're healthy, that's wrong. Um, but if you're using it for the things that it's been designed for, it has some uh, information-giving capability, and that's where we need to be using it. Oh, I completely agree. It's just a wider understanding because things can be taken so literally. Oh, Absolutely. A lot of the time you want to believe in one number having the solution <laughs> for absolutely everything. If only yep. it were that simple. Yep. You can be overweight to be very fit. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, one of the things that is important in your health is not necessarily that defined yes or no, I'm I'm above or below a number. Uh, it's actually what you do. And we know particularly for women that no matter their 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 weight or their their body composition, that if they live a healthy lifestyle, as in they tick all the boxes for exercise, nutrition, don't smoke, etc., that they have a very significant health benefit. So I, I'm I've really moved away from from that kind of thinking that you know we have to to get you to a lower BMI, or that I take that into account solely. Particularly with my patients, I'm very focused on what they're doing now um just trying to get them to to be active for example is is just one simple thing that's so refreshing and to come from a a doctor (laughs) as well because it's something that unfortunately we just see such a lot of in this country because medics in this country don't get enough nutritional education yeah lifestyle education and to hear you say that is wonderful yeah but even with that in mind though i'm just one piece of the puzzle you know so if i identify that someone uh is is needing some help with what they eat or, you know, if they exercise, you know, you reach for for your experts. Now, that I'm sure like like the NHS, you know, we're pretty, you know, stretched with resources. Just a bit. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's not always mm. easy to do that. And I, I, I think that, you know, doctors should be able to give out the basics, just like, you know, um, you know, my allied health colleagues give out the basics of what I do a bit as well. You know, we all work in this together. But I think it is time to to sort of change up our thinking and the way we give advice um, across the board. Yeah, completely. I think there's often a misconception as well that it's all about overeating, but actually you can be overweight and be quite malnourished as well, can't you? That's something I don't think people realise. No, and I think the way to, to look at this is to imagine... If you are overweight and you, your diet consists, let's just say, solely of takeout food, okay, mm. so that, that's all you're eating. By doing that, by eating that very um, calorie-dense food, um, you are unfortunately, though, missing out on a lot of nutrients. Um, so, for example, you know, obesity, and I know that's a, a word that is very loaded, but, you know, you know, medically speaking, someone who perhaps has, you know, a, extra weight and the medical complications of it, they can be uh, still lacking in in macronutrients. They can still be lacking in micronutrients. Um, you know, 
so it's it's not that straightforward to say to say that oh they're they're very well nourished. No, they actually might not be. No, that, that, <laughs> exactly. You can be both ends of the spectrum, like Correct. you said, and be completely malnourished. And yeah. do you see this getting worse in Western society? Oh, I, I mean that's sort of what the data suggests. You know, say if you look at you know UK, Australia, US, you know we're all fairly on par. We have a pretty similar um, spectrum of of issues. I think health issues and outside of the sphere of food and and weight and so on and so forth we're we're pretty similar um and i but i do think that that it is the all of these things are increasing um and they're not just about us eating too much uh you know all of these choices that we make happen in a system that is designed to make us eat too much or exercise too little or, you know, I mean, you know, tobacco advertising is literally designed to get us yeah. to smoke. You know, it's, you know, we're not we're not failing ourselves. We are being failed by a system at large. I don't know if you saw it just came into my head when you were saying that um, the Bite Back campaign. I did say that, yeah. Made news, made news at home as well. It's fascinating just mm-hmm. how you can literally manipulate someone's yep. food choices from yep. external cues. Yeah. Yeah. So they're just for our listeners. Um, they had a load of, I think it was teenagers. Yes, they were. Yeah, it was yeah. teenagers, and I really felt for them because one of these girls in particular it could have been the girl or the guy actually was in the back of a black cab, and mm-hmm. the advert in the cab was for this fried chicken. And then on the radio, it was the voice the, saying fried chicken. chicken. Mm-hmm. On social media, someone eating fried chicken. Then they go into the restaurant, and subliminally, they've been affected by these cues. And they order fried chicken. 100%. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) and when you see that, it really puts into, I want to say words, but, you know, obviously it it gives you something tangible to look at. You know, it's like if you go to the supermarket um, and very often as you get, close to the to the checkout there's a lot of you know um chocolate bars and you know convenient food and always at the end there's nothing wrong with a chocolate bar i just want to put that out there yeah we all love it i really love it (laughs) but they are put in your eye line yeah because marketing people know if you put that in your eye line as you're out to pay or wherever that just by seeing it particularly you're seeing it on repeat mm. that you'll want to purchase it like mm. that this this system is designed to work against us which is why it's easier said than done when lots of people say oh we eat like your ancestors or all these oversimplified <laughs> things we don't live in an environment that's conducive to eating that way we don't live in a simple <laughs> world no not at all no it is you know i know a lot of my colleagues would say to patients i'll oh, just eat less and i'm like oh that is oh. just such useless advice that is the worst saying. message eat less it is more that I think is the most unhelpful message yeah, at yeah, the moment. Yeah, because it does, it oversimplifies it. I mean, mm-hmm. there are times when there's there's that bit of advice is kind of, you know, could be useful, but it doesn't, it needs to be nuanced. Yeah. Um, and that never comes across in that little sound bite of, of that kind of advice. No, and then it makes you feel almost, I'm talking, going a bit off tangent to the question <laughs> I was going to ask, but it can, can give people lots of feelings inside of guilt and shame, 100%. not being able to adhere to something that yeah. actually is unrealistic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I so agree. So it's complex, but would you say our diets definitely changed then over the last few decades? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think that we, we do eat a lot more convenient foods. I mean, you you don't have to get off your couch to get food, um, which is nope. sometimes wonderful. <laughs> it's incredible when you're not feeling well and you order a delivery. Yeah, but aside I know. from that, yeah, but it does. You know, it makes it makes yeah. a difference. Um, so yeah, I think we do eat um, we do eat those sort of convenient foods a lot more often. I think we're much more likely to um, to not cook at home, and you know that's that in itself is a predictor of, of health. Um, you know, uh, look, yeah. I'm, I'm the first to admit I'm not a great cook. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I think people have this misconception that all health professionals are incredible chefs oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. no <laughs> we know how to make simple fast healthy food yeah even then you know i can burn water so um <laughs> but you know it it, it is a, a multifactorial thing but I, I think our diets have changed and and the the composition um is is really making it very difficult for us to to eat healthily for sure yeah i was having this conversation um i think it's with my husband's grandma Mm. and she was just saying how different it was how they would have no choice but to cook from scratch there just wasn't any other option no you couldn't it was too expensive those those options you know delivery did not exist Uh, (laughs) so yeah i think that that makes a big difference uh you know i i 
I've had the same conversations even with my dad. You know, when they were growing up, the the portions were so small because that's all people could afford. Yeah. Um, where we live in such an, an excessive kind of world at the moment, mm. you know, it filters through everywhere, including to, to our food. It, it's um, getting a bit philosophical, but it, there's the world of plenty mm-hmm. and then yet you have such extremities on either side of Correct. that. yeah. And and that's the thing that I find quite saddening. Mm-hmm. I know we can't tackle the world, but hopefully on this podcast at least we yeah. can <laughs> we can tackle well, some small things. Absolutely, no. So I think that's a really accurate accurate description. We are in a time of plenty. And do you see the food and beverage industry getting worse before it gets better? So look, this is definitely not my area of expertise, but I think you know, such as the bite back campaign, you know, talk around sugar taxes and things like that. You know. The, the roles that these uh, corporations have to play in in our health and well-being are, are not small and they're not insignificant. And I think it's really important for people in this field that we, we need to step up and start regulating them because they're not going to change off their mm. own volition. We, we need to step in and, and say, you guys are creating issues help us yeah no 100% help us. <laughs> because life expectancy i read has changed in some countries now as well yeah the united states um for, they've had i think it's um probably going to get this number wrong now but for a couple of years they've had a decline in life expectancy and that's been particularly prevalent i believe from the 20s to early 60s so we're talking about relatively young people in that mm. that age group and look some of it has come from things like um uh, suicide or um, accidents, other you know things that have nothing to do with your lifestyle mm-hmm. necessarily. But there is a big, um, big increase in these non-communicable diseases such as diabetes or heart disease, some types of cancer. Um, so I think that's very concerning because you know theoretically we should all be improving. You know, medical care is improving. You know, um, we're we're apparently more conscious of our health. Uh, you know, we should actually just be seeing a continual gradual increase in life expectancy well as a surgeon for you it must be a f- the wrong word is fascinating but a very <laughs> interesting time it is I, I I think probably completely anecdotally but I, I feel like I do see younger people now um, younger people with many more illnesses um, they're often a lot sicker than people I looked after say 10 years ago um, they they are then either faced with a really shortened life lifespan or a life of in and out of hospitals that's not great that's not not what people want no. not what I want <laughs> no I don't think anyone and this is something that's very important to emphasize and I think you did that so well in your book as well that it's not a choice people are actually mindfully making mm. they're not choosing to be the some well it's a quality of life that's surrounding them yeah so quality of life I think is very important to talk about because you know we talk about say life expectancy you know you know if you're born in this era you know expect to live until you're 80 or whatnot but you know if what if 50 of those 80 years you you know you couldn't do what you wanted to you couldn't walk up the stairs or you know play with children you know that those those years are then are going to be pretty challenging it's very easy um, particularly if we're reporting on it in the media to say you know your life expectancy is cut in half you know very dramatic headline that you sometimes see mm. but that that's that's just one part of, of of the picture and I think that we really need to be um, looking at ways to minimize illness that people have to live with because it's it is a really difficult way to live your life oh a hundred percent and let's chuck the social media thing on there <laughs> on top of everything on else top, yeah modern life <laughs> modern life I mean there's a whole host of influencers now that want to share their advice and it's unfortunately often even I feel it's it's drowning out the qualified voices that are trying to give a balanced approach mm-hmm. this is something you cover extensively mm, mm. look uh, you know the, if I look at my presence on social media I, I feel like I'm really having to push it uphill because I I'm not going to ever be able to give anything as sexy as you know bikini body oh. transformations there is nothing glamorous no. about what I do it <laughs> doesn't sell um, and, and you know I, I 
I don't have, I think I also don't have the freedom, not that I want it, to be able to say whatever I like. No, well, know how professional technically does. No, exactly. You know, because yeah. we, we're kind of aware that we we should stay in our lane. Yeah. We understand that there's nuance and exceptions and whatnot in, in our advice. Whereas influencers, they're not necessarily held to that same standard. They don't have the same education. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to make people sound like they're, they're horrible people. I think no. there are some people who genuinely feel or believe that they are being helpful, um, that they are making positive changes in people's lives. But I think now that we are more aware of this, it is completely inappropriate to be willfully ignorant um, or to be deliberately misleading about the advice that you give in yeah. your online platform. Oh, 100%. And you've really hit the nail on the head when you said it's not intentional because without the education to know that every paragraph you write yes you'll never be able to please everyone that is a thing that, <laughs> that we, is true <laughs> we know this is very true but we at least we will try and make sure that our words are completely well they can be read in many different ways shapes and forms and we're, we're aware of that and mm-hmm. how to get a point across but often they won't think oh this could be read this way or this way and mm-hmm. actually I don't have the grounding to understand the nuances within this yeah that, that's 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 absolutely correct and and we need to I think we need to be looking to these people and say you know can I just point out you know that's maybe not the best way to say that or that advice has been superseded. Mm. You don't have to be aggressive about it. But I think the the really important thing is that as consumers, and we're all cons- – well, most of us are consumers yeah, of social no, media, are, yeah. um, that we need to be a little bit more mindful um, about about how we are consuming this information. Yeah, I think to give an example to everyone listening, let's use the what I eat in a day. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. That's been one of the hardest things I think I've seen mm-hmm. with other influencers. They think they're being very helpful by mm-hmm. saying, for instance, I'm currently pregnant recording this episode – I've been asked, I, I can't, oh, I've lost I count. Bet. What do you eat in a day when you're pregnant? What can I do? There is no one size fits all. No. And unfortunately, it preys on the vulnerable because you'll see someone with a million followers saying, this is what <laughs> I eat every day. You'll yep. look at them. You'll probably look at their aesthetic. Correct. Their mood, maybe like their chirpiness or their, their mm-hmm. demeanor. It does not mean that will work for you. No, I, I never do the what I eat no. ever. I rarely post about food. Um, yeah. I, I have to be honest, you know, I, I know when I post about food, even, you know, something simple like I'm preparing dinner. And I actually have to post about that because, like I said, terrible cook. need to document <laughs> that it happened. Yeah. Um, you know, that I, um, I definitely notice that I'll get a lot of questions around um, what I'm eating. I'll get a lot of comments. And by comments, I mean people give me a hard time. Yeah, yeah on your food choices. <laughs> yeah. That's the most terrifying aspect of it as well. Yeah. I think there's a place for inspiration and encouragement, mm-hmm. but it can definitely go either way. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking at, I mean, what would you say needs to be done to bring the right information out of these individuals? Yeah, so I think that, um, like I said, I think that, you know, harping on at them and telling them they're doing a bad job is not helpful. I think it is important that we do start holding influencers to account. Mm. Um, but I think that should be done compassionately because, like I say, I think the the subset of people who are deliberately, you know, putting people in harm's way are probably quite small. Um, the rest of them are, are just, you know, need need to be Unaware, to be taught. Yeah. Correct. Um, you know, and I think also we need to be mindful that, you know, they sometimes have a lot on the line with these things. Um, but I think that's that's probably not an achievable goal. I think what is achievable is we as consumers, as I said, we need to learn how to read social media. We need to learn how to read an expert. We need to learn how to ask for clarification. We need to be looking at where we're getting our information from, um, how to determine whether it's right. Um, and, and, you know, social media literacy is is incredibly important. You know, we really need to be teaching that to children, to adults. Um, none of us are immune to it. 
it you can have an education like I do I still you know think oh oh and then I have to you know sort of temper that enthusiasm and read and think Mm. about what I'm seeing you know I I would really like to see social media platforms step up to the plate I think there's been some positives um, by Instagram and Facebook Um, Instagram I I know this is probably coming here soon have hidden likes for example yes so we've got a trial going on because I know they tried it with with Australia didn't they yeah we've still got no likes it's really nice I think that's lovely I I really really look forward to that yeah I look forward to that Um, but you know also things like being able to report inaccurate information so that that is one thing right but if I report a post for being inaccurate on on uh, sorry on Instagram uh, what I didn't realize is that that doesn't guarantee that that post will be checked Um, they will occasionally check it and then even if it is inaccurate there's no guarantee as to what they'll do so Facebook though have done something slightly different and if you are exposed to that post that you know whether it be about health or politics or something you know fake news (laughs) that they will then you'll be notified that you saw a post that was inaccurate so I think that that is something that the social media platforms absolutely need to get behind because otherwise they're complicit Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I would love to see that. <laughs> and half of me in my head is thinking, but who's going to be making that call with an Instagram right. or Facebook? And yeah, <laughs> I know. It is, it's tough. Well, it's fraught. And, and yeah. this is why, you know, at the end of the day, I, I look, I, I don't want to be someone who's, you know, saying it's up to us whole, you know, it's a big burden to bear as an individual, but we have to take responsibility for our social media literacy. Oh, we do. We have responsibilities, content consumers and creators. Everybody should play a role. I really liked what you said about getting it into schools because unless you've been fortunate enough to have a university education, looking Mm -hmm. at literature and Mm -hmm. science, how on earth are you meant to know what to look for right I mean how is anyone meant to know if, if we struggle yeah it has to be taught I agree I have to also think I have the privilege and you know probably a lot of us in a slightly older generation also have had the privilege of a life without social media yes yes before it came along <laughs> That's right. we remember yeah. what it's like yeah exactly so many yeah but no I, I do think I do think that needs to be taught I don't think it's just to children and you know I know in schools, particularly at home, there are a lot of programs around life skills that are becoming more common. And this is just another one of those life skills mm-hmm. um, that just needs to be just needs to be taught. Because it's something you discuss as well, that perhaps people are now more concerned, unfortunately, with their appearance than their own health. Yeah. So appearance, um, as we've kind of alluded to, whether it be about weight or, you know, um, just like the the overall aesthetic of your body is, is very much linked in with looking healthy. Mm. You know, I think uh, one of the probably the best example I can think of that is so blatantly obvious why it's wrong is having a tan, right? Mm. Having a tan um, 
we all think we look a bit better with oh, a bit of a tan. I, I have to be honest, I do like a fake yes, tan spray because in the UK there's no way I'm going to be getting any sun. <laughs> well, there's uh, no way I'm going into the sun in Australia because yeah. it's scorching. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, so we, we will we'll still see people, you know, sunbathing to look healthy because they look healthy with a bit of colour. And we know for a fact that that is so, so dangerous, so dangerous. Um, So I think that's a really nice, tidy little example of how you can accidentally be taught that looking a certain way is healthy. And there's a huge amount of of problem with, with that kind of thinking. You know, one of the problems is creating poor body image. Um, so, you know, being very harsh and negative about the way you look, which has a lot of, uh, you know, psychological and physical fallout. Um, it, it may demotivate you to exercise mm-hmm. or eat well because it sort of brings on feelings of shame. And it's a very narrow ideal. So if you are thin and white and uh, usually, you know, very advantaged, um, socioeconomically, then you've got half a chance of yeah. reaching that ideal. If you are not, if you are, you know, a person of colour or you, um, you know, different ability, you've, you've really got no chance in some ways because those ideals were not made for, for you. No, they're made for mm. people like white people like me. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's very difficult. And then when you add into it, you know, everyone has Photoshop on their phone basically with apps. You don't even know if what you're aspiring to is accurate. Uh, so it's just a real mess getting caught up in appearance such a mess um anecdotally i used to be in the music industry before Mm -hmm. moving into Mm. nutrition and i would pin success a lot of the time sometimes or would i get the next record contract Mm -hmm. or what i needed Mm -hmm. on appearance not just ability it was drummed into you yes in the industry and i saw when i was away at christmas i was on a coach ride um And the girl in front, she looked about 12 years old. She had a phone. And it was my husband that kind of nudged me and goes, look at that. I'm not one to normally peek through the seats, you know, to look at someone else's phone. But he goes, no, look. And I kind of peered through without being too obviously nosy. And she was... I'd never seen it before. Obviously, all teenagers have these things now. Mm-hmm. These apps where she was filtering her, uh, her oh. detail on her eyes and putting her cheek cheeks up. I could not get over what I was seeing. She was so young, yet yeah. she obviously felt the need on her little picture. Yeah. To yeah. just filter every image of her face. Yeah, and I think I think we all do to a degree. I mean, yeah. I find it more concerning, obviously, with someone incredibly young. But I think we all do. We we don't even know what skin looks like anymore. No, it's it's, no. it's we've just got such a distorted view of of what what we actually what we look like individually, but also you know around other people around us. Because this has given rise to eating disorders, which I know is something you've written yeah, about. Yeah, so I think that the, the you know, the role of social media and eating disorders is complicated. Mm. I think it's very easy to point the finger uh, at at uh, social media for causing increasing numbers of eating disorders, and it is something that is, you know, talked about a lot. Uh, it's a, It's not it's not incorrect, but it's not. It's a far too simplistic way yeah, of looking at it. it's never black and white. No. Um, if, look, if social media was the answer to this, then it would be a lot easy fix for anyone who has an eating disorder. It's a complex biological, psychological, social illness. Yes. Um, and to say that, you know, a, a person being exposed to um, an advertisement for a slimming product or to, you know, someone who looks you know, very thin in a bikini is going to cause that is is not correct. Um, but what is what is concerning is that this exposure to social media, particularly when you're looking at it for health and fitness type information, does have negative effects um, on our psychological well-being, creating anxiety, shame, poor body image. Um, it can lead to us avoiding exercise um, or just you know, avoiding you know paying attention to nutrition if we needed to. But uh, you know the other side of the coin is that it can lead to disordered eating, not the same as an eating disorder, mm-hmm. but you know still can be quite damaging to dangerous dieting, to over exercising, all these kinds of things. So it's not it's not letting social media off the hook by mm. any stretch of the imagination. Well, there's pros and cons. Well, th- well, absolutely. I mean, look, I use social media, obviously, and like you know, pretty much everybody. And, yeah. you know, there have been some very big advantage, advantages in it. Um, it could be a from- wonderful community. Totally. Absolutely. You can get support. You can um, get uh, friendships. You can get information. 
you know, good information. I mean, not bad information. So you can't, you've got to sort of take the good with the bad. And I think this is where coming into it being a a savvy consumer is is really important. And once again, to hear a health professional explain (laughs) that an eating disorder is not simple, it's very complex (laughs) and mental health illness is is extremely important. They're often very, very misunderstood. Yes. Especially orthorexia, which is still not fully recognised, but we're kind of nearly there. Yeah, and I, you know, talking to experts in the field, I think that it probably will get uh, a spot as a recognised, you know, eating disorder. But, uh, you know, orthorexia is something that seems to be relatively new because of our obsession with with wanting to look good. And, And while it doesn't manifest that we know about uh, in ways that we might say something, you know, really quite severe like anorexia. Um, it's not without damage. Um, and, you know, it's very physically um, challenging for those people. It's socially challenging. Um, so, you know, I think orthorexia is something that is probably got pretty strong roots in social media. And um, for anyone listening, orthorexia, if you break it down, um, rexia, you know, a derivative of kind of anorexia mm-hmm. of um, restriction of types of food based on pure and clean items of yeah. food would yeah. be the way to describe yeah. it. Yeah, and it was it was first noticed by a doctor who was who used to, you know, have very strong roots in lifestyle medicine and he was, was noticed Bratman, wasn't it? Bratman, exactly. Yeah. So he was, you know, describing that I was telling these people to eat well and some of them were taking it to such an extreme that they were having, you know, malnourished um, malnourishment or they yeah. were having you know difficulty socializing because you know they might have to eat something that they didn't prepare and weigh and measure yeah. and all those kinds of things and you know that, that that was causing them significant amount of distress and it can often be a pathway of recovery from an eating disorder like anorexia there's right. so many different um I think areas that yeah. I know our dietitian in the clinic works on a lot but are we becoming and is this because of social media or because orthorexia is on the rise maybe too reliant on supplements and pills to deliver results I, I think everyone wants a quick fix I mean mm. uh, you know myself included like yeah oh, if it were I mean, that easy yeah yeah <laughs> if it were that easy it'd be wonderful wouldn't it mm. um and I think that's where we're going wrong and it opens the door for um supplements for example to to fix everything um and you know if you look at it from my perspective you know like looking at medicines as in actual pills and medicine they're important they are life-saving um but they also don't um you know they're a bit like closing the gate after the horse has bolted sometimes and it would be much better if we were able to build a society where you know people had that sort of you know, ability to to live a healthy the lifestyle. Prevention before right. relying on yeah. the symptom hider or the yeah, mask. exactly. You know, like I, I you know I prescribe a lot of pills and I'm I'm grateful to because I know that they save people's lives. Uh, but I do think that we need to to do that in conjunction with all these other important changes. But those changes unusually say you know nine times out of ten not the quick fix fix changes that you are finding from an influencer on social media yeah. selling you a tea or a um, powder or something else like that sleeping pills everything pills uh, uh, you you literally see them all and what's even more concerning is the claims that come with them often mm. aren't regulated if they're sold online anyway right so people are reading things thinking oh this is legitimate information correct they'll order it and you can't guarantee the quality you can't guarantee what's in them you can't guarantee if they work i mean look if if that's if they don't work and that's the worst thing you've gotten off lightly you may have lost some money um but you know i think you've gotten off lightly because you know there have been studies where they've looked um through things like dna sequencing so very high level science at the content of some supplements and that can be a sports supplement or a diet supplement and found things that are banned um so you know many years ago they're not available anymore certain types of weight loss drugs cause such serious heart Mm. disease and i've looked after these people they end up needing heart transplants um, and they, those substances are, are pretty well banned worldwide, but you can find them in these unregulated products. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's really scary. We need, we need to be very cautious about what we're consuming. It, 
it, you know, and I say if it works, if it doesn't work rather, I think that's a win because yeah. the alternative is that you get exposed to something dangerous. Um, you know, it's it's just not worth it. And no matter how desperate, if you are in that position listening where you're literally turning to online information, seek help because mm-hmm. there are so many free helplines and it should only ever really be a health professional that's mm-hmm. prescribing these things to Ag- you. Agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. yeah just be be very, very careful. And I think um from reading the book as well and just having a look through I think we should touch on alcohol and smoking because mm. I'm sure mm. that's something that affects your line of work oh yes hugely completely yeah. is it true that women are often the ones that take up smoking that perhaps to play a role with their weight so quitting smoking is is difficult obviously nicotine incredibly addictive it's designed that way and women and particularly young women are um, often citing uh, that they're afraid of weight loss uh, weight gain rather they're afraid of gaining weight um, from quitting Um, and that's that worries me Uh, young women are a demographic where we do see um, I think in some reports around 20% in some age groups, some younger age groups are smoking, which is just unheard of. Like, you know, you you literally have to be living under a rock to not know it's not yeah. a great thing for you. Yeah. But, you know, again, it's a really addictive substance. The marketing is has been honed <laughs> over oh, many, yeah. many years. Yeah, no, I think marketing is there. Yeah, but but young women, yeah, I think is, is a really concerning demographic, you know, that, that they they are being targeted um same with alcohol you know i i was at um at an event and i won't name the event but i was at an <laughs> event and there was some sponsorship uh, of a segment by a um, an alcohol company and this this presenter was talking about how they were designing beer different types of beer to be more appealing to women so they had had scientific studies trying to work out which tastes women are, you know, at a biologically, mm. you know, important level more responsive to, and they're going to add them to the beer to make the women drink more beer. <gasps> and I was infuriated. I can't even. I would not want to be sat on your table at that event, Nikki. No, no, no. I think I, I, fortunately I had to leave to go somewhere else. I think I was catching yeah. a plane. I was thinking, yeah. thank God, because otherwise I was going to make a scene. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I I was contacted by a lager company to market the health benefits, the gut health benefits of alcohol. And it's very, it, it's they will come up with anything and, oh, to yeah, totally. want to sell their products to you. And people need to know that. Mm. There are no scruples here. No. Uh, and you, they will pay big money. Huge. People huge. People will take that money. Of course they will. Yeah, mm. of course they will. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you know, look, everyone needs money. It's nice mm. and all those sorts of things. But, you know, if, if if the price is right, people will support these these products, even knowing or maybe, you know, accidentally, mm. but they, they, they'll just do it and we will buy it. And again, we don't have anything sexy to offer here, Nikki, <laughs> apart from moderation is key. Yeah. Mm, how interesting. <laughs> Great. You can have a drink, just don't yeah, make yeah. it too much. And do you think it's the Generation Z that are kind of turning away from this more than, than their predecessors? I, I think there's a lot more awareness around, um, around this you know, alcohol and smoking mm. in, in younger people. Uh, you know, it, I, I guess it remains to be seen how that plays out over the rest of their lives. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's just a lot more, a lot more aware. I mean, I think about my own sort of growing up. You know, when I was a kid and we used to watch the cricket, it was the Ashes, yeah. obviously spons- <laughs> sponsored by Benson and Hedges, it's a cigarette company. Yeah, you know that was really normal. And now, now it's not. You know, in Australia, we have plain packaging of cigarettes you know when I was at school I used to get called Lambert and Butler because of the brand of cigarette uh, thing. it was awful uh, and I didn't really understand it but of course that's when it was cool to smoke when yeah, I was younger it's strange it's weird that you know kids yeah. know this so kids yes. are exposed to that so advertising young. yeah so young yeah. I could ask you questions about this for forever <laughs> but I need to get the questions from the audience for you so you haven't seen these, but Ooh. you'll be very well equipped ones. I hope so. But Sophia has said, there are so many new supposed healthy foods in the supermarket. How can I tell the good between the bad? I'm going to be really boring. Keep it simple, mm-hmm. you know. And if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. The, the, the key phrase, <laughs> if it's too good to be true, it often is. I love that. Maria, 
Maria, I think I've been eating well and exercising a few days a week, but I don't feel or look any better for it. Could stress at work be the difference? Yeah, I think that's a really, really good question because mm. um, here's someone who's doing something and anything is great. So well done. Like, that's amazing. Um, you should be incredibly proud. But yes, you know, we... we sort of pin all of our hopes sometimes on diet and exercise without realizing that a lot of other things in our life can make us you know mentally and physically unhealthy and work stress you know big one um so yeah absolutely uh and i think you know the way i would approach that it would be to be really proud of your achievements but what else what can you do Mm. to to target that that other thing that work stress or it could be you know relationship stress or whatever to make yourself feel a bit better yeah right we um often rarely work with clients without recommending psychological services which is amazing it, well we're i'm very fortunate to be yeah. in my own yeah. boss yeah. but um that service wouldn't be available of course on all public health care no it's it's not i mean no. I, we, similar health system in some yeah. ways you know it's hard to get psychological help but just maybe my mapping things sometimes yeah. i think just being aware of what is actually going on in my life oh I had an argument with my boss today (laughs) then the tubes were late and something else happened and I think Nikki answered that perfectly um Tara has said what are a few really healthy things I should always include in my weekly shop vegetables love that's all <laughs> I mean I know that's not all um no vegetables simple yeah. I mean I'm really boring I'm sorry no no that, <laughs> no no this is what we want we want the well, truth not boring advice I, I think vegetables <laughs> and you know I also think that you know good healthy fish and and all those sort of really basic things but I'm gonna throw something controversial in I'm gonna say if you would like a bar of chocolate um, and your weekly shop, I think that's okay too because that is healthy if it's part of your broader eating pattern mm-hmm. and it's healthy to do something enjoyable. So true. And if you enjoy, allow yourself enjoyed items, you're less likely to overeat on them anyway. Yeah. So I'm actually just justifying yeah. my chocolate choices to myself. <laughs> In fact, as you're over here, before you return back, you'll yep. have to stock up on chocolate. Oh, but see, this is where we could have a bit of an ashes oh, standoff okay, here. Okay. Who has the better chocolate? Because oh. I know my, my English friends will come to Australia and go, oh my my God, your Cadbury is so different. And oh. I'll come here and say the same. Really? So we can have a chocolate off. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Because we're so lucky to have the stuff from Switzerland things oh, come yes. over a bit sooner. So yeah. I don't know. I've never been to Australia, so oh. I can't really... I will send you some Australian chocolate. Oh, thank yeah. you. Hold, hold you to that. Hold yeah, you to that one. Yeah. And the last question is from, oh, I love this name, Fenella. That's nice. Fenella, it's a gorgeous name. And, oh, this is quite appropriate. I've just had my first baby... Oh, so congratulations, Fanella. Um, I really want to return to my pre-baby weight. Ooh. Where do I start? And I know you've got a chapter in your I've book. Got a, yeah, this that researching that was a bit mm. heartbreaking because there is a huge amount of pressure on women who are pregnant or just had a baby to look a certain way. Huge. Yeah, like stop it if you are doing that stop it Um, you know I think it's important to acknowledge that after you've had a baby your body will change um, and it's different for different people Uh, and what is really important is that you and bub are healthy and you know if we're going to look at mum specifically it's getting back to exercise once you've been cleared by your doctor or midwife um it's about you know trying to have uh, the nutrition that you need and i'm going to say the nutrition that you need because you are responsible for an actual human (laughs) yeah you need to actually be able to focus to feed that human you need to create (laughs) breast milk and all those sorts of things so there are plenty of good dietary guidelines for mothers um particularly mothers who are breastfeeding uh follow those if you see a celebrity who has snapped back into shape, you have my full permission to ignore them. I love that because they are everywhere. Oh, they're everywhere. Look, you know, everyone could snap back into whatever if they had yeah. their resources, please. I know, I know. <laughs> um, thank you so much, Nikki, for answering those. We now go on to the fact or fiction round. <laughs> okay, so are you ready? I think so. <laughs> if you could answer fact or fiction to the following questions. And it's, it's tough for a scientist to do this one. This is great. So, <laughs> juice cleanses detox your body. Fiction. <laughs> you, there is great snarky responses everywhere. <laughs> Fat shaming is scientifically proven to not motivate weight loss. 
That is true. It uh, it uh, can demotivate weight loss. Mm. We didn't go into that, actually. That's something no. I should ask about in a minute. Less time spent on social media will make you feel better. Yes, that is that is a fact. Need to do more of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of small meals is healthier than three big meals. No. Supermarkets only sell unhealthy brands. No, fiction. The best place to get health advice is on social media. Oh, my God, fiction. <laughs> fiction, fiction, fiction. <laughs> oh, dear. Organic food is worth its excessive price. Oh, fiction. Touch on that very, very quickly. No evidence that organic food has any higher nutritional value than regular food. Bingo. <laughs> I um, feel like I'm getting marked in school. <laughs> no, 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 it's good. It's, no, it's good. Grade me. <laughs> you need to count calories to lose weight. Oh, I'm I'm going to sit on the fence on this one. I know you want one, but I think in certain situations, under the care of a professional, Yes, maybe. But for um, everyone on the street, not always useful. Yeah, I've witnessed both being effective with and without. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Snacks should be avoided to stay healthy. No fiction. That was our fact or fiction round. (gasps) Oh, I feel like I didn't do terribly. That's really good. (laughs) You completely aced it. I think for everyone listening, it's just so lovely to hear someone that can speak with conviction but knows when to stay on the fence, which is actually quite (laughs) an an important thing because I think we we could all take a leaf out of that book. So that does nearly wrap up the episode. But as with every guest, we do finish with a food for thought. So today... I think mine would be to start focusing on the social media obsession with being healthy and looking good because it is often presenting an unattainable goal, as Nikki and I have discussed, to heighten the expectations. I mean, I think Nikki even said quite rightly that there's so many different ethnicities, cultural groups, and there's only one ideal often placed in the media anyway. So it's, it's quite important to note that these ideals can have severe effects on people's health. And rather than bringing out the good, it can often bring out the reverse. So I'm of the firm belief that I want you to get back to basics. Just think of the boring, unsexy sale of a healthy lifestyle being a long-term kind of thing. There are no quick fixes. What works for some may not work for others. So try and just do things that make you happy and remember that an overnight success isn't always possible, guys, but positive change can happen. And this is the pun that I wanted to add in, but so ultimately this can lead you to being pretty healthy rather than unhealthy. So, um, Nikki, if you could leave our listeners with a take-home message. I think if I could sort of distill what I'm trying to get out into to one thing is to focus on what your body can do how amazing it is you know whether it be that it's amazing that you can run or make a baby or just that your heart beats non-stop focus on those amazing things put appearance way to the side it doesn't matter and do things that are that, that are good for you for you and not for how you look Oh, beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on Food for Thought. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this episode, you're going to absolutely love what's coming next week. So make sure you click subscribe to be the first to hear it. And please do leave a five-star review. It really does help to get this podcast out there so that we can reach higher highs in the charts and hopefully be able to help more people. For more information about my nutrition clinic, books, healthy recipes, events, retreats, and so much more, please visit retrition.com and follow me at Retrition on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm-hmm.